Hey. hey! I know, I still got a little northern in me, but I, I'm learning, y'all. <laughs> that didn't even sound right, did it? <laughs> well, it's true, over the last couple years, two, three years, I've had the opportunity to fly down here, and I, I've told our staff, I've told Pastor Steve many times that it was like flying into my favorite place on the planet to come preach to do First Wednesday and to have the opportunity to speak at this amazing church and I would have the opportunity to hang out with the staff and, and spend time with different people here. And I, I would always just get so pumped up. People who rode next to me on the airplane would just like, they didn't know what was going on because I'd be so excited about getting here. And uh, now I'm here. It's so cool. Yeah, and I am absolutely just so blessed and encouraged to be on staff of this amazing church and uh, to serve one of my best friends who's an awesome pastor is a high, high honor and privilege to me. So, well, we should get started because I haven't preached for three months and I have a lot to say. <laughs> So we're going to, tonight I'm sharing a message called schooled, all right? How many of you have ever been schooled before? You know what I'm talking about, all right? You know what we're talking about, right? Some of you are looking at me. I remember back in the day, and Pastor Steve and I were both youth pastors in Ohio, and I had a big youth ministry, maybe close to 1,000 students, and uh, I was known, and I traveled, and I spoke some, and, and, and was, you know, you know, feeling pretty good, and we were at a youth conference and I was doing some workshops, and I thought, you know, I have a lot to say. I've learned a lot. I'm, I'm a veteran youth pastor, and, uh, and, and we walked in. My, my team and I walked in on a Saturday afternoon. I was in between sessions, and I walked into a fast food restaurant, and sitting in there was this guy named Josh McDowell. <laughs> you know, like, if I was a good youth pastor, Josh McDowell was like God youth pastor, all right, he was the man, all right? He's had youth ministry all over the world. And I remember saying to my team, I'm gonna go sit down at his table if he'll let me. You're not to come interrupt me. You can go play in traffic. You can do anything else you wanna do. I don't care if it's five minutes or if it's five hours. When I sit down over there, don't bother me. And I walked over and said, um, you're Josh McDowell. They always like it when you identify who they are in case they forgot, because he's older. I said, you're Josh McDowell. He said, you're right. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, can I ask you a few things? I'll tell you something. Something I learned long ago, something I say a lot to students here. Man, you got to always be ready to be taught. You know, so I had a notebook with me. I had a journal with me. And I sat across from him for a couple hours. And he just invested in me and, 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 and told me things. And by the end, he was like, hey, I'd like your feedback on a book project. I'd like to fly you out to Colorado. It's like, yeah, we're boys now. Josh and Chili writing the next book. It didn't happen, but, I mean, he invited me, but it's a long story. But it, I love those moments when maybe you thought you were all that. Maybe you thought you kind of had it figured out, and then all of a sudden something happened or someone happened, and it schooled you. You, you learn something, and I'll tell you something. You all have something to learn in here. 
Our pastor just said it just a few minutes ago. There are things we haven't figured out yet, and that is the joy of having a relationship with God. I, I keep learning things. You see, that is what we're talking about tonight. It's what you know that makes you grow. And that's what we're talking about. We, we have to keep growing and be on this ambition to grow. And I, I love that opportunity. I love the opportunity because I'll tell you something. As we get ready to, and most of our kids have gone back or they go back tomorrow, and we're, our kids are back in school, and we're kind of getting back into that fall swing, and we're beginning to understand. I'll tell you right now, the enemy isn't going, you know, God at the box office messed me up so bad, I'm just going to leave your kids alone this year. That was an amazing four weeks. Loved every second of it. But I'll tell you something, the enemy still wants to school you. He wants to school your kids. He wants to school your family. He wants to school your marriage. He wants to mess you up. And it's not enough for us just to show up from time to time and think we're going to be okay. Tonight, we are going to pray over every student, every school teacher, every superintendent, every school in this area. Pastor Ryan's going to conclude tonight before baptism. So in case you forgot, you just have to stay to the end. And we'll get there in a couple hours. But if you're not careful, the devil will school you, rob you, hurt you, and destroy you. If you're not careful, that's what he will do. But I want you to know something. He has been defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ. But he shows up anyways. He still wants to take your, mo your milk money. He still wants to disillusion you. He wants to tonight offend you by something or someone in this room to the point where you get all jaded and self-righteous about church and you miss who Jesus is. But Jesus is still Jesus no matter where you're seated. He's still awesome. And he can school the devil every day. Every day we should live victorious. That's what his plan is. So tonight I want to take a little passage of scripture and just go verse by verse with you tonight and, and share some things that I think are about to school you. In fact, you just call me the bus driver tonight. Because I'm taking all of you to school. I just think that's kind of cocky. I'm still going to take you to school. A lot of people get on that bus first day and they have a lot of feelings inside of them. But when you get off, you're going to be transformed. We're going to get you transformed tonight. Because God wants you to win. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. All those who rise up against me will fall. The word of God is the word of God, and it is righteous and true every time. The more we know it, the more that we can stand up, that we can overcome the, the ploy of the enemy. I know he wants my kids. My kids start school tomorrow. I know he wants our families. I know he wants our marriages. But there's still a remnant in America and in this world that says we will not bow to this enemy. We will not let the crowd control us. We will not wimp out and run out when it gets hard. I love this opportunity we have. So tonight, we're just going to go through this passage of Scripture over in Luke chapter 2. You know what I love about this in Luke chapter 2? This is the only story we get of Jesus 
as a middle schooler. All right? This is it. So we're going to look at Jesus as a middle school, and that middle schooler is going to school you tonight. You think you can be schooled by a middle schooler? I can. I, I, I now have a freshman in high school, and Chase is a middle schooler. I get schooled by those guys all the time. But I just tonight, I'm going to read a little passage of Scripture, and we're going to stop, and we're going to look at that little part of the verse and find out how we got schooled, and then we'll move on and read a little bit more, and then we'll get schooled again, and we'll read a little more, and we'll get schooled again. Right? Are you with me? Listen, I'm going to help you get with me. Every time I read a little, school, little passage of Scripture, I'm going to throw the word up, schooled, and you're going to yell, schooled. If you need to even kind of make it more youthy, go, schooled, yo, or something, all right? You can do schooled, y'all, but I don't have to. You can do it quicker if you can just do it that. Help me out tonight, all right? Let's, let's just practice once, all right? I'm going to re read a little scripture, and then I'm going to say, schooled. Well, we need to be quiet because they are putting. No, come on, we're not on a golf course tonight. We're in God's house, all right? Somebody say, schooled. 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 Devil, you know what we're going to do to you tonight? Schooled. schooled. Oh, yeah, now it's starting to get weird. We're all going to become bus drivers before it's all done. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you. You're my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Now, let's jump over to Luke chapter 2. This story... Jesus, the middle schooler with mom and dad, and we'll pick up at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. This year, he's 12. You know what that means? He gets to go. Jesus is going. So when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. Somebody say, schooled. Here's here. There's a few things in here. Now, you imagine, they're going to the Passover festival. He's 12. Think about this. Do you know what festival was going on when Jesus was crucified? This one. 21 years from right now, Jesus is going to walk into Jerusalem, be falsely accused, and crucified. He's 12 now. And there's things that we will discover in this to find out Jesus is already becoming aware of who he is and what his destiny is. But you imagine, now they're going to the Passover festival. It is, you know, like Destin. The camels are packed, hotels booked, festival tickets have been purchased. They're thinking about all the favorite sites, who's going to lead worship, all the songs, all the sermons. But did you catch something else in this passage? There's these words, as usual. See, the first things I want to talk about, I want to give you three ways the devil tries to school you. All right? So this is how, what we're, where we're at tonight. It says, as usual. They're just doing it. They've been doing it. They've always done it. And they're going. It's like us getting in cruise control on a Sunday morning. We get up. We know what service we're going to. We've laid out our clothes. We're putting them on. We kind of know what's going to happen. And as usual, we're just going. And that's what they're doing. It doesn't say they're bad people. Of course not. 
But if we're not careful, we get into some real as usual ruts in our Christian life. And it's really dangerous if you're in that place right now as we begin school and as we begin kind of a new season in the year. If we're kind of in that, well, we did God at the box office and we didn't kind of go in here and, and we did this and we did that and we went on vacation and now we've come back and we did our back to school shopping and now we're done and now we're doing this. And then church is like this additional thing that becomes as usual. In fact, we kind of want it to go back to as usual, you know, except for the popcorn eaters. About a thousand of you every Sunday. You're like, no popcorn this week? Come and find out. <laughs> You're like, there better be some. See, we've got to refuse to allow routine to numb our spiritual life, even a good routine. Maybe you have this devotional thing you do every day. But it can be more about completing a passage of scripture or a page in a book or a check mark or a reading plan. It can become more about just kind of doing a routine and you're like, but at least I do it. Well, that's true, at least you do it. But if you're in an as usual lifestyle right now, the devil is looking to rip you off because you just kind of don't even think you're in trouble. You're doing everything good. You're doing everything right. There's people that are doing way worse. But refuse to allow routine to numb your spiritual life. Friends, this was the Passover. This was a big deal. And I don't care if you've gone to it your whole life. You never want to forget that it passed over them. And they were spared from death. And, and God protected them, and he led them out of slavery, and he led them out of bondage. And even for them, they shouldn't get into as usual. Well, how about us? We know Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, sent his Holy Spirit. How can we ever become as usual? Routine. Nobody wants to be an as usual Christian. Your neighbors aren't going to come to church if it's, it's just where I go every week. Nah. It's when you go, I can't stay away. I learn so much because it's what I know that makes me grow. We have a pastor that feeds us well in this place. I am telling you that. We go deep, and, and it's amazing because we'll be laughing, we'll be crying, and then we're like, whoa, he's good. You got to know to grow. You know that's true. It's not just being in school that you'll move up in grade. You gotta, you gotta know things. You gotta keep growing. Our salvation is important. But the enemy goes, I'm gonna school you and just let you become self-righteous and routine. I go to church every week. I do the same thing every week. Maybe the same thing with your marriage, it's routine. Maybe it's the same thing with your kids, it's gotten all routine. Friends, mix it up. Mix it up. Do something different. Find out what their love language is instead of always wanting them to know yours. You know, mix it up. Find ways to encourage one another. Find ways to love your neighbors. Find ways to bless your teachers. Find ways to do it. Get out of the norm, out of the routine. All right, so let's keep going. So Jesus, we know now, is on his way to the festival. He's on his way to the Passover. 
We pick up now in verse 43. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Somebody says, school! <laughs> I shouldn't even have to explain this one, right? You imagine this? Jesus stayed behind. Their 12-year-old stayed behind. You ever lose any of your kids' parents? <laughs> right? It's never like the kid never has the ability to go, I just stayed behind. No, you didn't. You didn't stay with me. They stayed behind. I remember I got lost. My parents really got lost at Disneyland when I was a kid. I went right to the lost and found and said, my parents are lost. And that's what they told my parents when they came to find it. They said, he came right to us and said, you guys didn't know where you were because he knew where he was. And I thought, I got to the lost and found quicker than you did. Where were they? That's Jesus here. Jesus stayed behind. You know, how many times do we walk out of our prayer life, maybe our devotion time, or a church service, and Jesus says, hey, I'm not done. You get in your car, well, I'm a righteous person. I did my devotions. I read my Bible before work. Jesus is going, hey, could you hang back a little bit? I'm not done. I, I'm not finished with you. I have something else I want you to discover. If they had only paid attention to where Jesus was, there's something so remarkable they wouldn't have missed. But they're on a routine. They came, they attended the festival, and they're headed home. And Jesus says, I got more I want to do. So many times we don't even have time allowed in our personal time with God for God to have any overtime. Right? We're like looking at our watch going, I'd love to stay, Jesus, but I got to go. And we need to become sensitive to the Spirit when the Lord stays behind. You walk into a movie theater and get your popcorn and you walk down and get a seat and Jesus stays behind in the lobby going, I'm not watching that. <laughs> you people like give me little eyes. <laughs> Maybe he was just getting candy and he'll come along. But isn't that the way we treat God? We turn God's letters to D-O-G and we're like, here, God. Here, Jesus, come to work now. Come to school, God. Come along, God. Swear, oh, I'm going to go watch this. You stay. You stay here. Stay in my closet. We're going to really connect later, though. I don't want to be anywhere, anytime, where Jesus isn't. I never want to be anywhere, anytime, where Jesus isn't. If there's a bullseye, he's in it. That's where I want to be. Just not on the board. I want to be in the bullseye. I want to follow Jesus so close, if he stops walking, I run right into him. But I do not want to be the person who's scolding Jesus for not showing up where I thought he should be. I really thought you'd be here, Jesus. And he's thinking, I really thought you'd be here. I thought this is where you were going to be. He's not with us. Well, friends, it is reckless to do anything without being sure that Jesus is totally in it. It's recklessness. Recklessness. To do anything that you're not 100% sure that Jesus is in it. 
I'll tell you right now, God's will is not multiple choice. It's true or false. So turn over the Scantron, get out a pencil and figure it out. All right? Because we like to weigh it out. Well, I like this one because it pays well, and I like this one because it's a nice climate, and I like this one because of the title, and I like this one. Which one do you think I should do? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's God's will, and it's yes or no. And yes is wherever Jesus is. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Wherever he is, in the center of his will. That's exciting to me. His name literally means Emmanuel. God with us. Let it never be said. He stayed behind. He's not here. And you know when, and and I know that you're knowing, like, you're thinking, but Jesus said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I understand that he lives in us. But when you don't walk close to him, you don't have an awareness of his still small voice. And you don't have awareness of his direction and his courage and his, and, and his, his, his word for others. When you begin to kind of take him for granted, you get into a usual situation. You see, the devil knows that most of you aren't going to fall from some crazy giant sin. But if he can just get you into an as usual and recklessness, routine and recklessness, he'll take that. He'll take that. He's like, they're so busy, they're not even trying to figure out where Jesus is working. Young person, when you walk into school, ask that question repeatedly. Where are you working, Lord? Send me to that person. Send me to that table. Send me to that teacher. Where are you working? Because he's working. He goes before you. Jesus isn't like come behind you. He goes before you. There's somebody tonight that's agonizing tomorrow, and they're waiting for your smile. I don't need some big sermon. There's somebody to go... I'm a little nervous too. Somebody just to relate with them. It's recklessness when Jesus stays behind and you keep going. Let's go on to the third thing. Third way the devil wants to school you. So it says in the second part of verse 43, his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening... They started looking for him among their relatives and friends. Somebody say, school! Yeah, see, look what happens here. And and let me just stop here. Wait. You lost Jesus? You imagine when that conversation finally comes out of their mouth? Mary, Joseph had an angel come to them to tell them that they were going to have Jesus. They were told the instruction. They were told he's the son of God. They were entrusted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, God, (laughs) we kind of lost your son. And the largest festival in Palestine. You know, you imagine being a day and a half later to realize you'd lost your 12-year-old at the largest festival of the year (laughs) and you don't have find my iPhone, all right? You can't track them. There's no low jack on your kid. I'm like thinking Mary and Joseph are going, we're about to be struck dead, 
All right? There's going to be an angel come up and go, you blew it. You know? Find another 15-year-old virgin girl. Let's start over again. Maybe one that won't lose Jesus. Twelve years later. How do you lose the Son of God? How do we do it? How can we lose the Son of God? You know, it's okay to lose your keys. Ever since I lived here, it's either my phone or my keys about every day. Thank God for the grace of those who I work with have patience for me, and I usually reward them with Starbucks. It's a trade-off. I forgot my phone. Would you like a Starbucks? All right. But that's one thing. Did they do that? And then for me to go, I lost Chase. You know, I'll call Pastor Steve a couple of days. A couple of days ago, I lost Chase. I hadn't even noticed that I'd lost him till right now. Chase, where are you? Yeah, see, there he is. See, but I know something about parenting that's better than Mary and Joseph. Watch this. Did he raise his hand? My other son? I had a different whistle for every one of my kids. I could be at any, any store, whatever. They had their own whistle. They knew. And Chase would always say, I'm right here. No matter where. So then I just started doing the whistle all the time, you know. People are like, you're whistling at your kids. I was like, I know where mine are. Where's yours? <laughs> I'm not going to be a Mary or Joseph, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, you think like the Holy Spirit would have been like, you should develop a whistle. But then it's like the Son of God. Can you do that? You see, look what it says. These words are right in Scripture. They assumed he was among the other travelers. And then it goes on and says, so they looked with their relatives and friends. Let me tell you, the third way that the devil wants to school you, you may not like this, are relatives. Family, friends, other key people, coaches, bosses should never be your excuse for missing Jesus. Never be our excuse. You know, we do it all the time. Everything else. Church is like, well, if we don't have a birthday party for our third niece, we will be there. You can work around one of the three services. You know, like, whatever our priority is, is revealed. Pastor Steve said about that. Worship, it, we are revealed by our worship. Whatever has your attention has you. Where do you draw the line? What can interrupt your relationship with Jesus? You know, is there, is there a coach that has more authority over your kids' spiritual lives than your youth pastor? You know, is there somebody else that can go, you're not going to church. You're not going to be at that retreat. You're not going to be in that situation. And we just let them because we think that could be a scholarship. Even though Jehovah Jireh is our provider, he knows how to take care of our kids. I've seen the NBA and the NFL. There seems to be a few Christians that made it. You know, we think we're going to help the Holy Spirit out, get our kid into a scholarship program because God can't honor us. You need to get back to Jerusalem and find Jesus. He's left somebody, and now we're in charge. How dangerous is that? 
Whew. I shouldn't wait three more months. You see, you can lose him. You can lose him in good things. These aren't bad people. Mary and Joseph, we know aren't bad people. We know that, but this is in the Bible. Luke could have left it out. But we need to understand that if they can lose Jesus in routine, recklessness, and even relatives, so can we. So can we. But we can redeem our routine. We can bring peace to the recklessness. And we can win our relatives to Jesus by the choices and the standards that we live by. That's the truth. Well, the story doesn't end there. Let me give you three ways we can turn the school around. How do you school? Now, how do you, how do you redeem a situation like this? I'm going to help you out with that. Verse 45. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Somebody say, school! When they couldn't find him, they went back. There's a word called repent. It means 180 degrees you got to turn. It's not enough to be sorry. It's not enough for them just to go, you know, I feel really bad that we lost Jesus. Man, we, let's make a priority that we don't lose any more of our children. I mean, none of the rest are the son of God like this, bud. Let's not lose them. Let's not lose anyone else. No, you got to turn around when you blow it, when you miss them, when you allow distance in, to come. You got to turn around. You got to turn 180 degrees. They had to turn back to Jerusalem, they had to go back. And it says they went back. There's no other way around it, friends. You got to turn 180 degrees. We got to admit it. We got to say, I let distance come between me and Jesus, and the only way I can fix it is turn around. I got to admit it to everyone I know, and I got to turn around. You imagine the look in Mary's eyes and Joseph's eyes to go, we're a day and a half away from Jerusalem. Walking back from the festival, you imagine after the festival, it's been an awesome festival. Hillsong and Dine, it was just amazing. They're like, woo, that was a fun festival. You imagine the walk back, it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't imagine it's the same walk anymore. We should be defined by our walk, right? Some of us act like fat Christians. We're like, well, we go to church. And we got it. We got to worship really good, and it's awesome. We got to work while it's day. You got a job to do. Jesus wants to do that job. He'll help you. So you repent. First way back, repentance. It's 180 degrees on your mistakes and you get things right with Jesus. Look at, read on. Three days later. Woo! Some of you moms right now, you're just like ready to throw up. Like, I know why I haven't read this in the Bible before. I wouldn't have been able to stand it. Three days later, and the dads are like, it'll make a man out of him. 
12 years old, we, I was dropped in the middle of the wilderness when I was 12 years old with just a pocket knife. Yeah, we've heard the stories. If you'd like to hear more, there's a fishing ministry that's a connect group. I'm joining the connect group. I'm going fishing with the men. I don't know anything about that, but it'll still be fun. Three days later, they finally discover him in the temple sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Schooled! Woo! They finally found him. Our pursuit must be relentless. I'm not just looking for Jesus. I am not going to stop short of finding Jesus. You imagine that look in their face. Jesus! They're yelling in church. They don't care. They're frantic. They're frazzled. They've both got bad hair day. They don't care. They're relentless. It may take time. It may be costly. They, didn't say, they don't tell us about it, but it takes time. It costs them money to go back. It's embarrassing. Do it anyways. Get things right with God. Go find Jesus. If there's any distance before you tonight, find Jesus tonight. Get after him. Stop worrying about what anybody else will think and start believing what Jesus will think. Oh, man. I liked when you preached, Chili. All right. So you repent and you become relentless. Last thing. Verse 48. His parents didn't know what to think. <laughs> Son, his mother said, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Jesus in the smile. Mom, Joseph, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Revelations come to this 12-year-old boy, and he begins, to, he, he, he knows who his dad is. He knows about his destiny. He's in the city of his crucifixion, doing everything he can to learn everything he can, because it's what you know that makes you grow. Him as a 12-year-old going, it's not enough, Mom and Dad, just to go to festival. Got to do grow you. We got to dig in. We got to get in a connect group. We've got to get into a smaller teaching environment. Discipleship happens best in smaller environments. I love a church like ours here that gives you that opportunity. And maybe you're already thinking how busy you are, but Jesus is modeling this for us. How easy it is to lose him if we're just doing a once a week thing or if we're just kind of casually going about our faith. But when we begin to understand this, he said, man, he's in his father's house. And it said they didn't understand what he meant. But then he returned to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Wow, it's important to read this, to understand that Jesus at 12 knows that God is his father. And yet he's submissive again. He's not trying to be holier than thou, he wasn't trying to ditch his parents. He was beginning to walk out his destiny. It's like when you as a parent walk in on your kids in the middle of devotions. 
And you can go, I said lights out. Or you can go start devotions in your own room. Don't be put off by your kid's pursuit of God. Man, I hate it when I talk to people my age and they talk about when they went to youth group. Oh, I had so much zeal. I had such a passion for God. I remember those camps, those retreats, and they are awesome. But why would we ever lose it? Why, why do we have to get old and act like God's not the same today as he was then? He should be even better. And I want to spend time with him, and I want my kids to catch me in the presence of God. I want to be a person that, that treats his wife and treats his children the way Jesus wants them treated. And I learned that from Jesus. It's what I know that makes me grow. He schools me all the time. And they returned home together. See, the last thing is relationship is the key to knowing Christ and experiencing all that he has planned for your life. Man, I can't imagine walking a day and a half and not once thinking, I wonder what Jesus' take on this was. <laughs> right? I know there's maybe a big entourage or a caravan in those days, but never once to think, Jesus, where's he at? What's he doing? Man, I never want to get that way where I only think about Jesus on Sunday. And I'm not thinking, what's he doing at my work? Or what's he doing in my neighborhood? What's he doing at my restaurant? Had such a joy last night, just family was out to eat. Somebody did something incredibly kind for us. And uh, I just like slipped back in and told the waiter without them knowing to just bought their meal for their family. They walked out, not like, tell them I'm the pastor over at Faith's Church and we'd love to see him Sunday. <laughs> I just learned a long time ago from one of my mentors, never resist a generous impulse because it's always God. The devil will never tell you to be generous and your flesh will never tell you to be generous. So then you just know you must be on the right track but relationship is where this happens. Friends, tonight, what's your relationship with Jesus like? Hmm? You know, we're going back to school. We're going back to fall. Going back to football. We talk passionately about tide. But there's, there's a crimson tide that we should talk more passionate about than any and it flowed from the arms of Jesus. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hater in football. I love college football, and I love sports. I really do. But it gets on my nerves when I can't even be around men who want to talk about Jesus, but they can talk all day about sports. They can talk like they are the next Nick Saban when they're never going to be. You may not be the next Nick Saban, but you can be the next Apostle Paul. You can be that next person. You can be the next evangelist. You can be the next person to win your neighbors to Jesus. You're, you're having opinions about things no one's asking about, but somebody in your community, somebody in your world desperately needs Jesus. And it's who you know. You can tell them, I turned back to him. I got close to him. I was relentless. And my relationship is better than ever with Jesus. This isn't religion. This isn't church. This is relationship. That's what we're doing together. That's what church is. 
The enemy planned to school you this year, but now you're going to turn it on him. And so you repent, and you relentlessly pursue, and you start growing in your relationship. And it's the devil who gets schooled. The enemy, man, he had plans, didn't he? He planned the school year. He thought he had you. He doesn't. He doesn't. I read the end of the book. We win. So we should act like winners. You know, some of us are debating who's going to win the national championship. I'll tell you who's going to win the world championship. Us. All right? Jesus already won. We should be winning. You know? Put a Jesus banner on your van. Drive around. We win. He's like, what's a Jesus banner look like? Just white. Because we win by surrender. That's, we're the only army that wins by surrender. The only one that marches on our knees. But that's how we win. This is what winning looks like every morning when you, instead of just getting out of bed and getting busy, you slide to your knees and you say, Jesus, another day to serve you. I don't want to miss you for a minute. I don't want to be a foot from you. I don't want to be any distance between us. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I start my day on my knees. I start my day in your presence. Lead me, God. Lead me. And he's like, all right, let's get a shower. And a toothbrush. And then let's go change the world. Your world. Let's go change it. That's my prayer tonight. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe you know him, but you're like, he's a day and a half behind me. I just say, friend, no, you're a day and a half behind him. But all you have to do is turn. All you have to do is just repent. And just relentlessly, with a passion in your heart, say, Jesus, I never want to separate from you again. Be my Savior, Lord. Let's have relationship. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, there's distance between me and Jesus. Uh, the relationship you're talking about is not the one I'm living right now. I need to get things right with Jesus tonight. Without any hesitation, just shoot your hand up. I didn't say close your eyes or nothing. Just we, We're in relationship with each other here. So I just need to get things right with Jesus tonight. Yeah. Who else? So I need to do that. Would you do me one, one more favor? Just keep your hand up. If you're in a right relationship with Jesus and somebody has extended their hand near you, I just want you to put a hand on their shoulder and somebody, just everyone, just look around. Our eyes are open. Find somebody whose hand is up. Find someone. Go on. Find someone whose hand is up. If you didn't raise your hand at first just, and you need to, just raise it up. Because I want to tell you tonight, you're not alone. I want somebody to come to you tonight and say, no, no, we're in this together. Because the enemy would just say, oh, he got you all hyped up and it was just an emotional thing and you felt guilty, you felt pressure. No. We're going to link up together with people tonight so that we can walk together tomorrow, so we can have relationship together. Jesus doesn't rebuke his mom or dad. He submits. And he honors. He says, I want relationship with you. And for 18 more years, he'll be a carpenter and a son 
and he'll just keep developing, all knowing that he's going to walk back into Jerusalem for our sin, die on the cross, and every bad thing that you ever did, he's going to say, it is finished. He's going to pay for it. And then he's going to raise from the dead in that city. And judgment and hell is going to pass over you through Jesus Christ. If you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, I just want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say this. Heavenly Father, just say it out loud, all of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I admit, I've let some distance come between us. And I've filled that distance with compromise, sin, fear, pride, doubt, and other things. Tonight, I turn around and I relentlessly pursue you because I want relationship with you, Jesus. Come into my heart and forgive me. Be my Savior and my Lord. I believe in you. And because you died for me, I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're just going to school the devil this year. We're going to school him.